At the beginning of my career as an auctioneer, I became familiar with a gentleman who also went by his initials, J.B. Miller. I was pretty naive in those early days and didn't really understand how all the parts of a gala fit together. But a pattern soon emerged at those fundraisers where J.B. and I crossed paths. First and foremost, he always greeted me with an ear-to-ear -ear smile, his demeanor calm but serious. And secondly, those events, without fail, were exceptionally well run. It turned out that JB was the president and CEO of Empire Entertainment. And in addition to producing some of the world's biggest for-profit events, he had an abiding passion for nonprofit charity work. Since the world shut down 10 weeks ago, he and his team have had perhaps the quickest and most successful pivot to virtual. He was kind enough today to carve out some time to speak with me about what he's learned and how we will continue to move forward. Music is always by Matthias DeWild, and thank you so much for listening. J.B. Miller, President and CEO of Empire Entertainment. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, CK. You have had a very busy last 10 weeks. Not only did you survive COVID-19, but you've also managed to host and produce an incredible range of virtual events. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Uh, absolutely. I mean, as everybody in the live event uh, world or not-for-profit world will tell you, uh, you know, COVID really caught a lot of us, um, you know, unprepared uh, to move forwards with the events that we had already planned, the events that we had upcoming in planning. It just, uh, it was as, about as disruptive as anyone could imagine. Um, and particularly because live events were so utterly affected, um, it just raised total uncertainties and total anxieties um, within this uh, sector. Um, you know, what we realized immediately was that the world needed to move on. Not-for-profits needed to continue to engage with their donors. They needed to preserve the events that were on their budget and that had already been scheduled. They needed a way to uh, through this time, um, connect with and retain their donors. Um, and uh, since many of them were serving communities, they had an acute need to make sure that they didn't have a huge drop-off in financial resources and income as they were trying to serve people who were increasingly affected uh, by COVID and will be affected by the waves of uh, economic uh, issues and, and repercussions as well. Um, so, you know, realizing that we uh, positioned ourselves quickly as a resource to help them navigate these uncertainties and to give them the tools and ideas necessary to continue to serve those purposes and communities. And I think the tools and ideas that Empire has come up with in such a short amount of time have been really remarkable to me. Can you talk a little bit about the tools that you are both using for not-for-profits and some of your for-profit clients? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's. What we're talking about is virtual events. Um, people were doing galas, they were doing engagement events, they were doing networking functions, they were doing fundraisers. Uh, all of these things suddenly needed to be translated into a virtual language and a virtual setting. Um, fortunately, Empire had plus decades experience of producing live streams and broadcasts and digital content. Um, so this was not an alien concept to us. 
Um, and rather than, um, you know, get super abstract about it, we sort of started by saying, what are the nature and types of not-for-profit events and activities that are happening uh, or that do happen? And what is the corollary? What is the analog in the digital or virtual world? So we looked at things like, how would you do a gala online? How would you do an engagement event online? How would you do a fundraiser online? How, what's the solution for selling tables that we could apply to online? And um, you know, we came up with uh, a few sort of virtual event templates and tenets, and then we began to mix and mingle them into different kinds of scenarios. Um, so uh, you know, uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, RealWorks, uh, you know, I used to serve as the board chair and, and remain on the board. Uh, we had a gala that was scheduled for April. It was a real physical event. It's happened every year. You've, you've uh, more than ably auctioned. And, and <laughs> I was scheduled to be the auctioneer this year also. Um, and, uh, you know, we, myself and others had already bought tables. We had, you know, donations that was baked into our budget. How do we move forwards and keep those donations and keep serving those communities and, and honor those honorees? So uh, the decision was made to hold that as a virtual gala. Uh, in that instance, um, RealWorks made the decision because they are media producers, and that is their skill set and, and what they offer as a mentoring organization. Uh, so they put together a really outstanding half-hour broadcast quality version of their gala uh, with segments from the honorees, with the voices of the students that we serve, uh, showcasing some of the film content um, that is the product of uh, some of the student work there um, with a call to action uh, and so on. And we invited uh, a wider audience, a broad range of folks that would have attended the gala as well as others to tune in at a specific time to see and experience the real world, the real works gala in a, in a virtual sense. Um, because we also had high level donors and folks that um, you know, maybe we needed to provide a little bit more than just a little, you know, video <laughs> content on a website to view. Um, we also created an interactive uh, virtual meet and greet uh, immediately after the live stream uh, to which our, our donors and others were invited. And they could then interact live with the honorees, uh, with some of our celebrity attendants and, and, uh, and folks. And that higher value, high touch experience um, served as an approximation to provide what you would have gotten as a table host uh, and buyer at that event. Um, How much back-end production is needed to have that interactivity with, say, the celebrities? Was that done through Zoom? Uh, that was done through Zoom. Uh, I think it was a Zoom webinar was the, the, the standard that was used from there. Um, you know, RealWorks and, and the projects that we do where we're using those kinds of teleconferencing platforms um, we're trying to sweeten them with production value. So we're using slates or animated video or B-roll while you wait to go into the room. Um, we're interspersing speakers and participants with graphics and rolled in video so that we're kind of telling a more visually interesting story and, uh, and a tighter narrative you know, within that space. Um, we're not just leaving a bunch of people in a Zoom room to kind of go at it with each other. We're facilitating. We're rehearsing with people having roles as being a host, making welcoming remarks, uh, you know, a run of show, all the things that we would have done in a live event. 
um, you know, we're providing that direction uh, and clarity so that the experience for an attendee is an intentional one, uh, a programmed one. Um, and, you know, the proof is in the, the outcome. These are, you know, they're working out, people are feeling like it was engaging, and they're walking away with a newfound understanding of the organization and also respect for the fact that the organization was able to manage through adversity uh, at these times. You use the word translate to go from an in-person gala to a virtual one. I think that's a great term. Um, What I believe is one of the main things that's lost in translation is the live auction. Uh, It's my impression that you just can't recreate the pressure cooker moment for your run-of-the-mill live auction items to make that work uh, via Zoom or any of the other platforms. Is that your impression also? And is there anything else that you find is particularly lost in that translation? Or are there, on the flip side, are there things that are gained by going virtual? Sure. Um, well, let me take the general concept before we talk about auctions specifically. It's our belief that uh, translating a live event into a virtual event is not a one-to-one proposition. It's not like, well, we had a cocktail party here and it was an hour long, so we're going to do a cocktail party for an hour-long Zoom meeting. You, you can't look at it that way because, I mean, for one, audiences don't want to be in front of their computers that long. There's less to do. There's less to look around and see. There's less exploration. There's less agency for the participants and so on. So you really have to rethink um, the delivery in a virtual sense. But it's a good place to start is what's the functionality of a cocktail reception, right? If I'm showing up there and that's where I discover my auction items or I meet my important contacts uh, or I have the social experience that I came into this for, or I get some photos with a celebrity and selfies because that's what I want out of it. Um, We kind of try to distill what's wanted by the audience from that. And then we ask ourselves the question, how would we do this in a virtual space? And the answer is, is often not the same as it would be in a live space. Uh, Sometimes it's shorter. Sometimes you have to use a different technology. Um, but we, we want to approximate the value in the translation, not necessarily the one-to-one experience. Um, as far as the live auctions, you know, that you mentioned, um, I think the, the jury is still out. Um, you know, the truth is people will watch and engage. There is live energy in a room that you create better than anybody I've ever seen. Um, where there's a drama of a moment. Everybody can look around and see somebody else at a table and feel the pressure of, am I going to be outbid for this? Or how much do I want this? Um, You know, all of those things that conspire to create that real life, real world moment um, that raises the adrenaline and has its catharsis when the item went for a large amount of money and we can all feel good that that competition resulted in that money going to where it was really and truly needed and deserved. Um, I think if we, I haven't really looked as much in the, in the auction space as, as we need to. Um, but I think if we look at specifically that example, maybe the virtual, uh, um, environment gives us a better opportunity for people to understand what the auction item or package is. Maybe it gives you a chance to have a deeper appreciation of it is what you are actually bidding for. Maybe it opens up a wider audience so that there are the people there in the room but I'm bidding against people that bid in advance or that may come to bid after me. You know, maybe there are ways that we can gamify this that would actually enhance the experience of an auction and ultimately result in a, in a higher return uh, for the charity. Um, you know, I think all of these are things that we have to you know, look at. 
Um, and, you know, virtual also gives you some cool ideas. I mean, in a room, you're looking around, everybody can see the bidders in real time and everybody can be led by you. What if we reached a point in a virtual auction where we said, okay, now we're going to shutter everybody's lens <laughs> and you don't get to see it's a blind final bid. Don't be under bid. Like you get one and one more chance to do this. What are you going to do? I just took my finger off my webcam. I love that. So, like, I mean, that's just a simple, stupid idea, but suddenly it injects an entirely different discourse into that moment. Um, so I, I think that gamification is there. I think special guests is, are a way of doing it. Um, the ability to cut away randomly to people uh, also can put people on the spot the way you do on a stage. Um, I, it, you know, it's, you've spent a lifetime in this. I, I, I think it's really worth drilling down and looking at how could we make this better? How could you make a virtual auction better and more effective than a live one? And that's the standard that we apply every time we ask the question, how would I translate this aspect of a live event into a virtual event? And by framing it in terms of gamification, I think that that just in this conversation is expanding the way that I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, because an auction at its base is a competition and competitions mm -hmm. are what games are. Um, right. And so we just have to maybe change the, the rules or the parameters of that game. 100% and virtual, you know, you've all seen the matrix, you know, there is no spoon. There are no rules in the virtual space, right? I mean, you could recreate, I mean, I'm sitting in front of a virtual depiction of Versailles behind me right now, but why wouldn't I do my party in Versailles if I can recreate a three-dimensional environment there? And if I'm in Versailles, why wouldn't Marie Antoinette come out and auction the last item, you know? And why couldn't that item be cake that we could all eat? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's just fun ways that you can sort of build on and riff on the virtual environment that I just don't, I think people are too intimidated and fearful of like, how am I going to do this and not screw it up? You know what? Don't worry. This is a moment where people are, are more forgiving. They understand that all the things that we've come to expect to work in the real world uh, might not actually be the case in this moment. And with that sense of forgiveness, that permission to fail a little bit gives us the possibility to innovate immensely. And for those people that are not afraid to, sit, to take the moment and say, you know what, I've always done my gala and I've always done my auction this way. Maybe this time I'm going to try it differently because the audience is willing to cut me a little bit more slack. That's where the great new innovations are going to come from. And, you know, if I've got advice for you or anybody, it's like be fearless in this moment. I think that's some fantastic spitball in there, especially Marie Antoinette uh, auctioning off cake. Um, that just got jotted down. <laughs> Good. Since Good. 1993, Empire Entertainment has distinguished itself in many ways, uh, but what has stood out to me in part is the relationship that you have made with celebrities, um, real A-listers, and how you've leveraged that for uh, the good of your clients and the good of not-for-profits. I'm curious to know if you think that by lowering the threshold to get celebrities to participate, the fact mm -hmm. that they don't have to show up, they can do it perhaps on their own time or from the comfort of their own home, are there any innovations in getting people that just have this incredible star wattage um, to help out in the not-for-profit sector in virtual events? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you've absolutely said it. The, the standard, the, the number of 
needles that you have to thread to get an A-lister to be available on the day that you need them, to be available to commit long enough in advance for you to put them on an invitation and actually like, you know, leverage the draw factor that they represent uh, to get them to come, to support them with what they need to manage that process. You know, it, it's sort of like a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. So it's not, it's no wonder that like the chances of getting an A-lister for, you know, a major you know charity event uh, are, are very slim and you have to reach out to a lot of people and have a lot of luck in order to pull it off. Uh, in the virtual sense where concert artists are not on tour right now, movies are not being made, television is not being shot. These folks are at home just like the rest of us and they do have a little bit more time on their hands than they would otherwise. Uh, and it is a little bit of an easier ask to say, hey, sometime between now and three months from now, can you find five minutes to record something that would add value to our virtual gala for a cause that we know you care about? Uh, it's definitely a lower threshold ask to put out to people. With that has also come the expansion of asks. So every celebrity in the world is being asked a hundred times a day, would you, could you show up in our virtual gala in our Zoom room, you know, and, and do this. Um, so I, I think that has devalued the experience a little bit for audiences. Um, it's also, um, you know, celebrities, you have to understand, are as protective of, of their brand as a major corporation is, right? So every time they appear, they are representing and manifesting their brand for the global audience. When you're George Clooney, let's say, and you agree to be on somebody's like webcam, you know, for a Zoom, that's forever out there. It's not just for the audience in the room as it is for a live event. This is now, it exists, it's on the web, it gets shared by YouTube, it gets shared socially. So they don't have a lot of control over the technology, over the quality of the image, over the context in which they're appearing. So there are, um, you know, any celebrity or their representatives for that matter, who are the brand stewards of that celebrity are going to be cautious about simply committing. And it is uh, a fallacy to think like, oh, well, sure, now Madonna's, you know, free and at home. So she'll gladly show up and do a cooking class or sing karaoke with me and my, you know, friends for our birthday. That's not going to happen. Um, I think the, the opportunity has expanded, but there are also additional concerns that come into play now. Um, and I'll go back to your original point. I mean, yes, we have worked with probably more big A-list names from music, ideas, politics, presidents, sports, <laughs> the dollar. All of them. Than, All than of anybody, them. <laughs> you know, than anybody out there. But I, I think that our, um, the, I wouldn't even say that we have a relationship with them. I think that we are respected as a producer that comes to any enterprise or event or project with the true intention of delivering a successful um, project from all standpoints, from the attendee, from the client, from the participating talent or celebrity or speakers and otherwise. And because we are trusted uh, to have no other motivation than to deliver a successful experience for everybody, they respect our professional role and they allow us uh, and are comfortable with us to tell them when to walk on the stage and you know what to say and so on. Um, that trust is, I think, a, a big part of why we're able to deliver uh, that kind of talent for, for the projects that we work on. JB, I know that so many of my clients are looking for 
technical, concrete, whether it's software, they are looking for real world answers for these virtual challenges. Can you just point us in any particular directions where uh, not-for-profits should be uh, looking um, as they start searching through the various options? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, there's a few dividing line questions that help you determine what you're going to do. Um, um, what we're seeing right now, the vast majority of virtual events that we're doing are either pre-recorded content or done all live or some hybrid of the two where we might go and pre-tape some, you know, elements and so on. Uh, and then we might combine them, you know, in a live stream uh, with, with live hosted segments. Um, you know, a lot of people are using player windows, things like, you know, YouTube live, Vimeo live, even some of the social media platforms, Instagram live, Facebook live, and so on. Um, when you have pre-recorded content and you just want to put that out there as your kind of like virtual event. Um, on the flip side of that, you're seeing a lot of these teleconferencing applications, Zoom, uh, which we're on right now, um, but things like WebEx, BlueJeans, uh, some of these others, um, they basically give you the ability to have live concurrent activity happening with hosts and MCs, but you're more limited in terms of the production value, feeding graphics, video, having a nice smooth orchestration, kind of like what you'd expect from a live broadcast. Um, a lot of what Empire is focused on right now is fusing the two, creating galas that combine both player windows with pre-recorded you know, content that can mass scale um, with the interactive elements. Um, so to us, it's the, it's the marriage of high value pre-produced content with live interactivity and audience choice that's actually making the, the difference. Um, and you know, I'm happy to talk through some of those different tools um, but it's not that difficult to do it. Uh, for example, the RealWorks Gala was a pre-recorded YouTube uh, streamed program followed immediately by a Zoom webinar call. It wasn't difficult to do. And ha have you used the broadcasting software vMix for any of your um, any of your endeavors? And what do you think of it? Yeah, so vMix is a, a platform that's more effectively used to sort of mix live to create um, the equivalent of a broadcast news program where you're bringing in, you know, higher quality webcam streams from remote presenters. You're able to mix in things like graphics and video roles without the kind of delays and latency issues that you find in some of the teleconferencing softwares and to output a finished professional slick product uh, to to an audience, uh, often through a player window, for for that matter. Um, you know, I, I think VMix is more of a tool than a platform, and I won't get into all of the the differences at this point. Um, but I think one of the great challenges in front of everybody is like you have a registration and audience development platform that has to marry to the production platform, you know, the vMix or however you're going to you know, put and assemble your content together. Then you have a distribution platform, you know, where you're going to play it and how you're going to play it. And then you have all the interactive tools, chat, Q&A and so on. Um, and even like, you know, uh, for purchase, you know, like transaction processing, auction processing, those tools don't really all exist in one tool. You have to put them together. There isn't a really seamless end-to-end -end solution that's available for all not-for-profits at this point. Uh, that's a lot of what companies like ours are doing right now is helping them navigate it so they don't have to think about those integrations. They can just think about what they want to do and then we will do, you know, 
that work for them on the back end. Do you think that because of how important it is to assemble all those parts into a seamless whole, that Empire, in a sense, has become the new virtual Cipriani or Hammerstein Ballroom? Like you are now the event venue where everything takes place? Uh, I think that's, uh, I wouldn't call us a venue, but I think that the solution that we represent is one that is hard, if not impossible for not-for-profits or other, you know, separate components to put together on their own. To do this successfully, you need a conceptual creative, you know, person and a producer. You need a talent coordinator. You need somebody that can design and pre-produce content and edit. You need a creative department to do graphics and animations and motion graphics and so on. You need a technologist that knows how to put these pieces together. You need a registration, check-in, audience development, uh, logistician, you know, to manage that process so it's smooth and seamless. Uh, and then you need, you know, all the skill sets, the technical control rooms, the switchers, the graphics, the bandwidth, the streaming, the adaptive, you know, bitrate stuff that's that's going out. Um, because we have all of those professionals under our umbrella, we're able to offer that as an integrated service um, that ties back to timeline and budget and, and you know workflow. For somebody that doesn't do that every day for their job, it's no wonder that they're terrified uh, to approach this. It is highly technical. And I know in the few virtual galas that I have done, uh, the better the back-end engineering uh, was handled, the the higher the quality of the product that we were making. And sure. I... I'll just give you one example. I mean, one of the reasons our shows are smooth is because we have what are called comms. Because the graphics and the camera people and the stage managers who are calling cues and the video rollers and the stage managers that are dealing with the individuals and the speaker that comes to any enterprise or event or project with the true intention of delivering a successful um, project from all standpoints, from the attendee, from the client, from the participating talent or celebrity or speakers and otherwise. And because we are trusted uh, to have no other motivation than to deliver a successful experience for everybody. They respect our professional role and they allow us uh, and are comfortable with us to tell them when to walk on the stage and you know what to say and so on. Um, that trust is, I think, a, a big part of why we're able to deliver uh, that kind of talent for, for the projects that we work on. Um, to wrap this up, are there any just sort of words of optimism or hope that you can send to all the nonprofits out there who are um, trying to figure out how to summit the mountain of a virtual event? Uh, very much so. Um, first, as a general note of hope, this is going to end. You will come out of your homes. We will be hosting events again. We will be meeting together live. Uh, all this will end and it will come behind us. It is a temporary setback to be sure. And one that has affected us globally and has affected, you know, many, uh, in the ultimate, uh, way. Um, but like all horrible times, there is a light under the end of the tunnel and there will be, you know, good times again. Uh, so I would just say, don't, don't abandon hope, uh, at this point. Um, secondly, the world needs you. They need your not-for-profits more than they ever. Um, they need your support. The people that you serve need you more than ever. And many of the people that went into the not-for-profit industry in the first place went there out of a 
desire to do good and to contribute to the world. And when you have setbacks and obstacles like you have now, I think there is something in your character and nature that will rise to this moment. You didn't get into not-for-profit because you wanted it easy. You went there because you wanted to help people who had it hard. And they're relying on you in this moment. They need you more than ever. So your courage you know, to fight for them is what should be a driving and animating force for you and will be seen by your donors, by the community at large, by the celebrities that you approach as, as an authentic uh, place, you know, that you're coming from. And, and they will support you, you know, for doing that. Um, as far as virtual events go, yeah, it's scary. It's different. It's anxiety producing. You have lost your locus of control. You knew how to put on a wine dinner, you know, or, or, a, or a dinner gala right? You don't necessarily know how to do a virtual event, but this isn't the first new set of skills that you've learned. And in each instance, there is fear and trepidation, but you'll never feel more alive than when you take the chance, learn something new and bring it off successfully. And I would say that there are, the risks are lower now. You can do virtual events. You can dive in. You can try creative approaches. You can change up what you would have done and you can and you can approach it with courage and you can approach it with, you know, creative heroism uh, and the world will reward you for that. So, and we're here to help, uh, you know, you're not alone in this. There are people like CK there are people like empire and there's a myriad of other, you know, producers, artists, creators, all of whom are willing to jump in and help make this successful. So, you know, reach out to us. Creative heroism. I can't think of a better exhortation to end on. JB, thank you so much for taking the time to share a bit of what you've learned over the last nine weeks. And I look forward to the next time that we're raising a glass to toast the successful fundraiser of an in-gala event. Anything for you, CK. Thank you. Take care.